Hey now, everybody. Welcome in to another Teal Town USA, another one-on-one. And we have here the host of Morning Tide, Ted Ramey, or as his friends like to call him, t Ram. <laughs> you still remember the uh, the t Ram uh, drop from back in the old uh, Damon Bruce show days. Uh, you know the man that gave me t Ram is no longer with us, right? No, no. Who, who was that? It was uh, one of the founding members of Tribe, who, of course, as soon as I bring this up, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, but yeah, he passed away a couple of years ago. But oh. there, I, I, in addition to the incredible music he was a part of, T. Rame lives on. That's that you know, because that's the important thing here. Oh, absolutely! I remember being on hold on 1050 more than a few times, waiting to talk to T. Rame. <laughs> the legacy lives on. KMBR 1050. Yes. So obviously, host of Morning Tide. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, I know that we both uh, had an audience with general manager Doug Wilson. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wanted to get your take on what he, the information he provided you because uh, I was able to listen to kind of your Morning Tide podcast. I listened to Brody's. I listened to like mm-hmm. the, the big media call. And so obviously I'm listening to that and I'm going, I don't want to ask the same questions. And he's got pre-programmed answers for half of this stuff. You know, he's very... Very easily, you know, all set up with the media stuff. So I'm just taking from you, what did you get from Wilson and where do you think like the trajectory of the Sharks is going? I think that he's very aware of the the two things being equally true this year is that the team didn't live up to expectations. There were problems that were not able to be rectified. Um, and that if it could go wrong, it did go wrong this past year. I don't think he tries to um, make excuses, but I think he is very much aware of the fact that there were there were significant problems, and we, we can outline those, and I'll get into them a little bit more, but I think that while you talk about the, the fact that everything that could go wrong for the Sharks did go wrong this year, I also think that in an alternate reality that the team stayed healthy and you had – relative levels of production across the board that you were expecting from certain guys and they did not go careening into the bottom of the West. I mean, this, you might've told me that the sharks were going to be a bubble team this year. And I think that's a byproduct of making several deep runs into the postseason year after year after year. And, you know, we're looking at most of the last decade really. So I think it has a cumulative effect, but I think that he was aware that there was there's still a lot of talent on the ice, that he's got, you know, Evander Kane and Eric Carlson and Logan Couture, you know, just to name three guys and Brent Burns and Joe Thornton. And, you know, it, 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 there's a lot out there to work with. So I think that he was he was clearly not happy with what happened this year. I don't think there's any way to gloss over that. Um, I asked him, you know, if if this team had not gotten so damaged by injuries and had played out full 82 games, could they have worked into worked their way back to a final playoff spot? You know, he said it was possible, but he didn't really want to play that game, and I don't bother him because, you know, you play the what-if game, and, yeah. you know, you can go down any number of avenues or canals of how that makes you end up. But I think he was, you know, I think he recognizes that he has talent to work with, and he recognizes the the deficiencies. So... You know, there's those those problems aren't going away. So yeah, what what's yeah? You're obviously wanting to go in a direction. So so go. Well, no, it's uh, you talk about recognizing the deficiencies, and that's kind of been my deal. Is uh, 
you know, did they recognize the deficiencies? Did they, whether it's, you know, scouting and development and all of that group, did they recognize the fact that you've let go of Pavs, Donskoy, and Nyquist, a second line on any team in the NHL, and those deficiencies obviously manifested the right side of the ice got, you know, really, they're just, where was that? You know, you, you had LeBanc is supposed to be your number one guy. And, yeah. you know, he bet on himself with a million dollar contract. That really didn't work out. The right side was, I mean, you talk about deficiencies. So letting go of all that while making that huge, um, that putting that huge sum of money on the blue line, I just, that was my kind of thing when I spoke with them was, was too much money put on the blue line to the detriment of the forward group. You know, yeah, yeah, and I mean that's what everybody's saying is that they're entering this. I don't even know what we call this this off season. This because we're not in the off season yet. We still potentially have games ahead of us. But yeah, I mean they have to address some of the issues with forward, and I do think that they have some young players that that showed promise. But I would imagine that they have their eyes on some guys out there that they want to at least bring in. And yeah, in terms of investing that money on the blue line, I understand exactly where people are coming from when they say. You know, I would have rather they had kept on to Pavelski and held on to a Gus Nyquist, something to that effect. Um, or at least replace that offense. Or at least replaced. But at the same time, you're looking, and I think the big one is Pavelski. I think you look at him, you say he's 36, going on 37, as opposed to a 29-year-old at the time of the signing, and Eric Carlson, who's got his prime in front of him potentially, and I still think Eric Carlson does have those years in front of him. So I don't, I didn't have as much of a problem with it. I certainly wasn't expecting it. I 100% expected last off season, which was a real off season. <laughs> I expected Carlson was going to go somewhere on the East coast because I know his wife has you know more ties to the East coast. And I thought they were going to re-sign Pavelski. And so when it happened, I was, I was kind of shocked. I'll admit I, that was not the route I thought they were going to go down, but I can't say that I was upset with the fact that they had signed a younger Eric Carlson who at various points over the point of his career has looked like one of the top three players in the NHL and still has that ability to do that. So I understand why the move was made. And that's not, listen, Pavelski, the guy is Captain America. You know, he was everything you can hope for in terms of a franchise representative. He wasn't getting any younger. No. You want to make the comparison to other teams in the Bay Area. That's what Bill Walsh would do. He would say, I'd rather get rid of this guy a little bit too early than a little bit too late. Yep. Um, but I do think you lost some of that depth with Nyquist. I thought Nyquist was underrated, really. Yes. I, I don't think people really... There was so much firepower last year. The year, you know, <laughs> the last year they went to the playoffs because we're still in this year, oddly <laughs> enough. That team had a, an incredible amount of firepower and they scored goals at will, seemingly. Um, and so a guy like Ny- Nyquist got a little bit ignored, even though he was a great midseason acquisition. But with Pavelski, I think that it's hard to really underestimate what he does in terms of it's not just the fact that he scores so many of the the tip goals and knew how to redirect that shot from Burns to make it go in. But it was the fact that when he was hovering around the crease, it very much made teams nervous and they couldn't come out as much. They had to sit back a little bit more because Pavelski was going to get into the tiny little, you know, half spaces or whatever it was and find a way to get in front. And so it would draw the defense a little bit away um, from the other guys and give them a little bit more space to operate. 
that was gone this year. Teams were not as uncomfortable, and I think that the fact that teams were not as uncomfortable against the Sharks led to the Sharks losing a little bit of that puck possession that we so routinely know them for. And because of that lack of attacking puck possession, it turned into a little bit too much cycling on the blue line. And I thought that that was kind of something where you just didn't like, sometimes it seemed like they were a bit adrift, like they were waiting for that right moment. Um, And that could be that it was a team in the first year of a relatively new identity. Uh, But, you know, it was, it was interesting to watch and it's hard to properly value Pavelski for what he was. I mean, because it was more than just the goals that he scored. It was the problems he created schematically for defenses. Uh, but, I, you know, those deficiencies, you're right. They they were not 100% addressed. I think there was the expectation that a lot of those guys would develop and there was a lot of pressure on those younger guys to develop. Yeah. That might happen this year and more next year as well. But I also thought that there was... You know, the, the defense could have been tighter, and we saw that Bugner corrected that a little bit. And it was sometimes they were overly aggressive, and we all know that there was a bit of a – there was gambling on the ice in terms of getting too far forward. You know, Brent Burns, is as is, is dangerous as he is, he will gamble. Yeah. And I felt like that bit the Sharks more often than not this past season. So you take the good with the bad. I just felt like there was an unbelievable pendulum swing in the direction of the bad this past year that highlighted the deficiencies as opposed to maybe seeing them as more of developmental areas. Yeah, see, that's the whole thing is that you go from that season where you've, you're the second highest scoring team in the NHL, you're the tops in your, you know, in your conference, and then you fall to the basement of like 28. Like, you know, thank God Detroit was as bad as they were. It would have been, you know, could have been worse. But you look at that, you just go, man, how does the pendulum swing that hard when yep. you, but then again, like I say, you go, well, how good is a team going to be that loses basically an, uh, an entire second line? And then you look Don Skoy, Pavelski, Nyquist, any one of those guys can play the, can play the right wing side. So yeah. you've, you've basically alerted the other teams focused, focus on the left. You don't have to be worried about the right side. You know what I mean? And it just yeah. made the Sharks very one-dimensional in my mind. It's Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think they were. Um, it, you know, maybe one-dimensional is too harsh, but it was yeah. very much – it was not – it just wasn't what you expected. You know, that puck possession wasn't there. There was a little bit of sloppiness at times. There was a little – to me, honestly, if you want to get down to it, I think there was a little bit of a – of a tired, and I think there's a mental fatigue more than anything. It's like they probably just looked at themselves once again, saying we got so close to the top of the mountain, we got knocked down. We all heard them say they didn't have a good training camp. Um, You know, they got off to a bad start with Vander getting suspended after the preseason. (laughs) And uh, Which, by the way, you saw that he and Reeves buried the hatchet in favor of the Black Lives Matter movement, Uh, which I thought was awesome. I think they buried the hatchet, like, off the ice. Uh, When they're back on the ice, it's on. It's on. Yeah. But no, but I mean, I thought it was cool that they could be like, hey, let's put this aside and um, try and work towards something together, which, again, uh, that's another thing we're lucky in San Jose. Guys like Evander Kane, guys like Joel Ward, who want to be out at the forefront of these things. I think that's that's a byproduct of the Bay Area. A lot of athletes in other uh, markets around the country and North America might not feel as comfortable doing that, but that's what we get with the Bay Area. I think it's pretty cool. But I think the mental fatigue really hit in early this year, 
it was like they were back at it and then they were suddenly, you know, getting beat up by Vegas early in the year and then they just couldn't really find their rhythm. Suddenly November happens. It looks like they've turned the corner and then December, you know, they go out on the road and it's just a, you know, it's a disaster and they losing games. They make the change at head coach and then the injuries start piling on. I think that mental fatigue, it was like, how much do we have to keep on doing? I think, I think it played a factor. It's just like, you know, there's an expectation of when you've been playing at such a high level and you come back the next year and you're not playing at that same level, you're almost waiting for it to happen and it doesn't happen and it just starts to weigh down more and more on you. And I think that was, I think that was a factor. I'm not trying to take anything away from their play on the ice, but I mean, there were times when I saw a mentally fatigued on a team on the ice because it wasn't for a lack of effort. I mean, even after the injuries piled up towards the end of the year, Bugner had the guys, a lot of whom were, you know, inexperienced players playing hard. I appreciated the fight. The final product well, wasn't there. But well, I appreciated that, the effort. Yeah, I mean, now, does that mean that a guy like Noah Greger or Joel Shellman look better because the rest of the team is doing so poorly? Perhaps. I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, you bring up that just abysmal October. They flipped the script in November, but what a lot of people, you know, forget to take into account is you look at November – it was a massively home-friendly schedule, and they never left the Pacific time zone until mm-hmm. the final game of that month. And yep. they only went to Arizona. You know, it's like, uh, <laughs> I think we're okay there. But I just look, again, that the whole idea of being second in scoring the following season, dropping to 27th to 28th. Meanwhile, Jones and Dell put, put up almost the exact same goaltending numbers. Now, they weren't great either season, but it's still the fact that like they were almost identical in one year they're in the western conference finals the following year you know like they lose one nothing to the worst team in the league on new year's eve and you're like okay check please thank you yeah. i'm out <laughs> yeah well here's here's the thing with the goalie that we ha- that we have to talk about um because we all are all trying to figure out what has exactly happened to martin jones right i mean this is a guy who at a time looked like he had learned his lessons very clearly from Jonathan Quick, had that aggressiveness, would come out of the crease a little bit, looked like he was the franchise guy, and they invested the money. And then the last two seasons, it hasn't been there. And the one thing I keep on going back to is that since he became the man in San Jose at the start of the 15-16 season, played more minutes than any other goalie in the NHL. And the rest of the league has not gone to a 50-50 split, but it's closer to a 65-35 or 60-40. Some teams have done like a 55-45. And I think that has worn down on Jones because if you look that once they started having that competition and Bugner started playing Dell more, Dell, with the increased time on the ice, got better, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Jones got the opportunity to work with Nabby and probably was able to step back for a second was able to look at his game a little bit. I thought that he wasn't perfect, but I thought that I saw improvements in his game. And I thought that both those guys with the increased rest and with the competition were better from that point. But when you get to that point, things were almost over and done with. And then you add on suddenly Couture and Carlson and Hurdle going down. Um, You know, it was just, there's no... I understand that every team in the NHL and all teams in professional sports have to deal with injuries, but what the Sharks had to deal with when they were trying to right the ship, it was like every single time they were trying to get their heads above water, it was just more weight thrown down on top of them. So it's 
you know, it's I try to take it all into perspective and look at the various things that were all impacting um, the team. And I think they all they all played a factor. It was just I mean, like you said, to go from being that good the year before to underperforming the way they did this past season. I mean, it was it was startling at times. I mean, the game in Washington where they gave up the, the two goals in the final minute and then lose. It was like, what what on earth am I watching? Because those were games that the Sharks won in the past. It was like, oh, they're up late in a game. They're not going to blow. And that was the first time they'd ever blown a multi-goal lead in the final minute, I believe. But stuff like that, it just didn't happen. And well, it, was, I, it, it was staggering. It, well, <laughs> a, a, not a multi-goal lead, but if memory serves and uh, people watching, they might be able to uh, – to tell us uh, in the comments if I'm correct or not. If I remember correctly, it's the first time in NHL history that a team has scored an empty net goal and lost the game. Oh my God, I think you're right. I think I remember hearing that. Yeah, that Logan Couture had that empty netter and they ended up losing the game. Holy Lord. I mean, just unbelievable. And in fact, I just want to put this uh, on real quick from Sonic Tonic. Say, uh, huge fan of Teal Town and Ted's podcast. Thanks for being here, guys. And thank you, Sonic Tonic, for watching. That's cool. Sonic Tonic. I, I, I like Sonic the Hedgehog, and I like Tonic, especially with gin. So that's, that's a screen name I can get behind. <laughs> so a lot of people have, have asked. I, I don't know if you've like uh, thrown out uh, the, the backstory and everything like that. But we saw Morning Tide, if, I, if memory serves, kind of begin with the 1819 playoffs mm-hmm. uh if uh, that is correct yes that, yeah, that so, is correct yeah. <laughs> so so did the sharks reach out and said give me the local the one guy from local sports talk radio that actually is familiar with this team is that what happened <laughs> no it's, it's, uh, particularly scott emmert and i had always had a really good relationship and it was just kind of something that um we had talked about and Finally, that seemed like the moment where, um, you know, things were trending in the right direction. And so um, Scott decided, you know, he said, hey, we're going to we're going to do this. Let's see how it goes with the postseason. And everybody liked the results. And, um, you know, as you know, there's the the audience in the Bay Area doesn't get served with enough. I mean, if you go to Sports Talk, you can hear about I mean, in my opinion, as the as the voice of the earthquakes and a man who works for the San Jose Sharks. Bay Area Sports Talk covers the Warriors, the 49ers, and the Giants. And if you happen to be the Earthquakes, the Sharks, <laughs> I guess the Raiders, and the Oakland A's, you get left behind. Who? And the audience wants – I mean, I always – yeah, who? Those, what are those teams? San Jose has more people than San Francisco. I mean, there's a lot of people in the South Bay, and you don't want to leave that audience behind. And so, you know, it's – give these people what they want, and they're – they want Sharks talk, right? I mean, that's that's why you get such good listener and viewership. That's why people go and listen to Morning Tide. And, you know, it's it, it having been a part of the the giant that is KMBR and seeing how that audience is fed, um, no pun intended, Giants news and 49ers and the Warriors when they were on that station. I mean, there's, there's an unending audience for it, and especially in the postseason, AJ. I'm sure you've recognized this. When you get to the postseason, there you literally can't put out enough content. Yeah. I mean, there's people will come and come and come, and so you know the audience is there, and it it worked well with that postseason, and it was an incredible postseason, and kept on working with it this year, and coming out with the weekly releases and interviewing players, and you know looking at some of the aspects inside the uh, 
the, the team that, you know, going beyond the stars and talking to some of the younger guys. And it was cool. You know, I, I really enjoy doing that. And yeah, I mean, I, there, there are other, I don't, I, there's one particular guy cause Brody, I, I, I won't forget him. He obviously working on the pre and post game coverage. He knows the sharks, but also my boy, Ryan Covey at 95, seven, the game, he uh, loves himself some sharks. So I don't want to leave him out because there, there are those of us out there and Ray Ratto also, he comes down to the tank and he'll take it in. But yeah, I mean, there is a little bit of a, like I said, it's the Giants, Warriors and 49ers. And then there's everybody else. Now I have my, my brother, my problems with that, but you know, I, I understand why things are the way they are, but that doesn't mean I think they should always stay that way. But you know, yeah. one man's opinion. Uh, hey, Ray Ratto, <laughs> Mr. Just win the game. <laughs> That's, that's the best thing ever. Uh, Puck guy in the chat saying, I miss running into Ted at Safeway. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Eric, tell him we'll, we'll have to do that again soon. And uh, we can we can talk about, uh, or is that is that on Eric or is it a different screen? No, that's Eric. That's Eric. Okay. I assumed it was. Uh, but yeah, I know. We need to we need to do that again. We haven't we haven't done that for a while. Safeway, talk about the sharks, talk about beer. It's, it's the, good, the good things in life. He doesn't drink beer. Can you believe that? He did, well, he he doesn't, did, I was in a beer. He was in a beer aisle. I think when I, well, I mean, I guess they have other things there. The first time I saw him, cause I, it, it was before a playoff game in 20, ooh, might've been that King series. Uh, uh I think it might've been before game one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like to talk about that series. No. I was, <sighs> if I can, uh, reminisce in 2014, I was rinkside for game seven um, Jamie oh, Baker, he was down there doing this color commentating for the radio. Um, and he said, yeah, come down. So I went down and I just remember before that, um, I, can I share a, a funny uh, anecdote oh, with you? AJ? Absolutely. Okay. So there was incredible traffic getting down there. I had done a uh, shocker, something go- a shocker. <laughs> I was coming from Oakland that day and I just want to tell everybody that I am really, really boring and lame and I'm not a risk taker. And that's why I don't have a lot of great stories. Like I didn't like, like some people just have stories. And I always say like the backdrop to that is maybe some questionable decision-making, but I was stuck in traffic and I didn't want to be late. And I'm sitting there and just gridlock traffic on 680. Um, and the carpool lane is next to me and it's just wide open and literally traffic on 680 southbound is stopped. And so Look over my shoulder, look back, and I look over my shoulder again. I say to myself, I'm going to risk the ticket. I don't want to be late to this game. And so in one of the wilder moments in my life, with just one person in my car, I got (laughs) into that carpool lane and uh, went around everybody else in traffic. I felt bad, but not that bad. But, yeah, one of the the more illegal things I've done in my life. But But, I got to the game on time. That's the important thing. And you didn't get a ticket. You didn't get cited. No. See, it's it, it funny you you bring that up because there was uh, the, but, there's. A, but then again, the Sharks took a one nothing lead and then got smoked in that game, so maybe karma caught up in another way. <laughs> no, it's just funny you bring that up because uh, there's a gentleman who writes a, a column in the Mercury News. I don't know if you're familiar with Gary Richards, Mister Road. I know the name, Mister Roadshow, right? And <laughs> he, he, t- he, I think he does a column like five days a week, and it's mostly just answering kind of like viewer mail type of a deal. And there was a column that he put together that had to do with uh, like your biggest pet peeve. And it seemed to come down to carpool cheats and then those people that like straddle a line of cars waiting to get on an on off ramp or whatever. And then they try to cut over at the last minute. It seemed to come down between those two. But he brought up, he goes, okay, for you carpool, 
pool cheat people. I want, you know, at least a couple of you to come forth and admit that you do it and then tell me why. And there was one particular person who wrote him a letter that said, you know what? (laughs) I do it Monday through Friday every day. And the amount, uh, and he goes, and I usually get a ticket. I'll get a ticket once a year, maybe twice. But because of the time that I save and everything like that, it pays for itself. You know? And I'm like, yeah. I I mean, I only did it the one time, but I understand the rationalization. But, uh, you know, rules is rules. Yes. And without that, we have chaos. So, no, I'm right there with you. But, oh, that, yeah, that, oh, don't get me started on, on, that's like been the one cool thing about COVID is that if you do need to go somewhere, you've been able to get there relatively quickly. (laughs) But but now if traffic is back, there's actually more volume of traffic. There was a report out yesterday at the um, Bay Bridge traffic now between 5 and 6 a.m. is greater than it was before the pandemic, but the traffic in the um, three to four and four to five hours has gone down. So I think hmm. that must be maybe not as many people taking Ubers to the airport or taking other things like that. Uh, that. But still, I mean, it's it's coming back fast. And yes, the lack of traffic, the straddlers, South Mission on 680 to get over to 880, that's oh. always where people do that. Big long line of people cutting over at the last second. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I put like 30,000 miles on my car last year, so I haven't minded the fact that we've been doing less driving as late. So... <laughs> I, uh, I've seen, I've seen it all. I've seen a lot of it. Well, so we do have playoffs in some form or fashion coming up. Um, I believe Las Vegas has been chosen as a hub city. Um, but that's going to be where the East plays. And I thought I heard the West was going to play in an Eastern city. Has that been finalized? I I haven't heard anything like that because it does seem like it would be an unfair advantage to have the golden Knights, you know, play in their home barn, of course. So I yeah. do think that, yeah, if they, if they do that switch, I do think that's the proper thing to do. However, are we going <sighs> trying to figure call out it a Stanley cup champion? Uh, no, no, no. I, I've, okay. no, I'm fine with that. Okay. Um, but my whole thing is I'm just wondering, so are we going to see then, you know, for, for shits and giggles, are we going to say, we're going to see that Vegas and Colorado is going to play the four o'clock Pacific game. And then like Montreal and Boston is going to play the seven o'clock game. <laughs> like, cause how does that work with television ratings? Cause if you've got Boston, you know, like two Eastern teams teeing off at seven Pacific, come on. That's, you know, yeah, that would, it would be a little bit odd. I don't know. Yeah. And then, I mean, have you ever tried to watch West coast sports while you're on the East coast? It's, uh, it made me understand why East Coast bias exists. It's out of this world. It's 10.30 at night and the Warriors game or Sharks game is starting. <laughs> yeah, well, it, you've heard of that bar in New York, right? Finnerty's? Yeah. The Bay Area bar. Yeah, so it's always fun to, to watch, uh, follow their Twitter feed because they'll, you know, they'll be tweeting things out at, you know, it's uh, 1 o'clock, 1.30 a.m. in New York. You know, and they're tweeting out that so and so won the 49ers jersey or some something or the the Sharks <laughs> signed puck or something like that. I yeah. always get a kick out of that. But what people don't realize is that you know, in New York, bars don't close until like five in the morning. <laughs> no, they go, they go all night. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, rock and roll, man. Let's go. It's not none of this, you know, one thirty last call BS that we see here. But 
Yeah, yeah, it's true. But it's probably it's probably a good thing though. At least until we get Bart run in twenty four hours, we would probably see more accidents. Yeah, no doubt. And then finally Bart, you know, finally making its way Dude. to San Jose forty years later. But yeah, Dude, I re- I always joke with people is like when I was I don't know six in nineteen eighty eight. I remember looking at the the Bart map on the train and seeing it would show to like Brentwood and you know San Jose and now in 2020 <laughs> it's finally trending in that direction it's like how did this take so long i uh, i'm a, i'm a big fan of the, of bart and uh, mass transit because i have to do so much uh, commuting around the bay area so i'm i've always been when i'm stuck on the snow grand i'm just sitting there shaking my oh. head and being like why aren't i on bart why 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 couldn't bart get me down to the south bay and it's okay it's it's 2020 and it's finally happening <laughs> so we can, we can do this AJ and Ted talk about their problems with Bay Area traffic and mass transit. <laughs> you go. <laughs> so with 24 teams in, there's obviously a lot of fo- like name me a team that doesn't have a former shark on it. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, that's that's the. I mean, in terms of who I'm rooting for this year, it's got to be Washington and Pittsburgh because those are you know associated with sharks that were on this year's squad. Well, no, you got uh, no love for Goodrow in Tampa. Well, yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> I, I appreciate what he has done, but I I I was more looking at what I, I guess I have I have greater affinity um, towards a Brandon Dillon and a, and a Patty Marlowe than but Pavelski you know, in Dallas. Yeah, I feel like that's too soon. <laughs> <laughs> I like I'll, I'll too soon. Marlowe was a shark this season, <laughs> <laughs> but, it's di- but it's different. I don't I don't know. It's just. I like I came to grips with this thing. I was like, all right, who am I going to root for? And I like, had those two teams, and I was like, I'm going to stick with that. But I have here's the thing, man. I have no way of judging these teams now. Yeah. You had teams that developed chemistry. You had teams that developed, and and I don't use this jokingly, but like when you get to that point, you have an intimate relationship with your team on the ice. Guys know where guys are going to be. They know what they're going to do, and that's suddenly disrupted. And you expect them to go out there, and you expect the Bruins to be like they were. You expect the Caps to be like they were. You expect Colorado to be like they were. Mm. I have, I mean, this is a, um, and this is probably why I'm not a gambler, is it's a gambler's nightmare maker. It's a line maker's nightmare. I mean, how on earth do you go out handicapping this? Especially considering it's this. What happened? I mean, <laughs> we're looking at the rates of also COVID-19 infections skyrocketing around the continent. Yes. But that, <laughs> I, I, I have no way of trying to, even hazard a guess of what's what's going to happen next. Well, you you talk about the chemistry that teams had prior to like March twelfth, but then again, think about the amount of guys that were actually injured on March twelfth. That now you know yep. if, if if COVID had never happened, there were you know there might have been a couple of guys on the Avalanche that might have been hit or miss for making the first round of the playoffs that now are completely healthy, and I'm sure that's the same thing with other teams. So yeah. I like that, but going back to the whole shark thing, it's it's just so funny that it, it seems like half the teams in the league have a former shark, whether it's Pavelski with Dallas, Dylan with Washington, Goodrow in Tampa, uh, Marlowe with Pittsburgh, you got Stalock in Minnesota, Donsko in Colorado, I mean, Nyquist with Columbus. I mean, yep. it's just, it's insane. It's like, just throw a dart, man. <laughs> just... <laughs> What you're doing is you're giving yourself a rooting interest in the maximum amount of games that are going to be on TV. <laughs> exactly. like, oh, okay, 
I got a reason to be, reason to be emotionally invested in this. That's all you can really ask for. That's but awesome. dude, when you, we were watching the Batman thing, um, yeah. and they were talking about the lottery, and they were talking about the the teams that were going to be in the tournament or the the Stanley Cup playoffs, how we're calling it, mm. I was just sitting there going. Literally every team in the NHL is here but the Sharks right now because the Sharks traded away their pick. I was just I was like, this is unbelievable. I was like, every team is being represented in this in this discussion of the grand of what's going to happen out of this with lottery and playoffs, but not the Sharks. I was like, this is this is an interesting place we found ourselves in the intersection of reality and San Jose Sharks. <laughs> when they were making that announcement, I was like, I I gotta admit, I did not see all this coming. It's it's just I mean, really this. It, encapsulation of like the last year or so of sharks uh history if you want to call it is just the fact it literally it is the murphy's law season just everything that could go wrong has gone wrong even including like you didn't lottery protect that pick for that you went with to carlson and then one of the players that you sent josh norris ends up winning ahl player of the year i mean it's just everything that possibly could have gone wrong went wrong man <laughs> it's you know that's that's what I keep on telling myself and that's why I have to believe that the pendulum will swing back in the opposite direction because it just it's like there were times where I would like laugh this year like something would go wrong and I just be like <laughs> like like really that actually happened because I mean I guess that when you're on a run like the sharks have been on for you know the last 20 years basically yeah. a little bit shorter than that but mostly you know it's just been it's been good it's you know obviously there've been some heartbreaking playoff losses but, you know, like you get a lot of things going your way. You catch some breaks. I'm not a big believer in, or I don't believe in luck in sports because you have highly trained individuals entering an, entering an arena where literally anything can happen. Um, so I, it's not like it's, it wasn't supposed to happen. Like if a guy gets a tip, if a guy gets a tip, you know, he's been practicing his entire life to, you know, shoot the puck or to learn how to play the tip or to put himself in the right you know direction. I believe that's just that's the. I don't believe in puck luck. I believe it's just the breaks. It's inherent to the sports. That said, it was astonishing this year just to watch. And be like, I can't believe that happened. I can't believe that that bounce, that break went against the Sharks consistently, consistently, consistently. And then with the injuries, it was just like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. I mean, it was just it, the the dogpiling effect or, and the snowballing. It was like, just keep, keep it coming. Just keep it coming. Just keep it coming. I remember I was getting to work at KCBS um, and that was when the Eric Carlson news broke um, and it was just like, oh, seriously? I've, I, like, think really? I've heard the, I think I've heard this story. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I was just, I was like, I just couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I think I, I was, I think that somebody I had said, oh, what about this, this and this? And they said, uh, let's hold off. We've got some bad news about to come out in 10 minutes. I was like, bad news? Because at that point I was not expecting yet another horrific injury to be you set the sharks like oh god i just it just it kept on happening man. it was like you're stuck in a bad dream it was like there was no there was no point in september where i was like oh yeah this this and this is going to happen and that i'm not really going to be thinking about the playoffs and then of course there was reality the playoffs being shut down by a you know worldwide pandemic but i expected (laughs) that when we got into january and february we'd be talking about positioning and yeah, home ice, things like that, and uh, well, not. Well, you, you, that's not the story I thought you were going to tell. I thought which, what, which one? If, if I remember correctly, I thought you had, had, and I might be wrong, but I thought I thought it was you that when the Eric Carlson news came down, 
you're like, oh, let, let's turn on local sports. They got to be at least talking about this. And like no one oh, was mentioning. <laughs> no, of course. Yeah, that, no, that did happen as well. Yeah, because I was in my car outside of KCBS. But of course, no, there was no there was no mention of it at all. Because the other thing, I can't remember if it was the hurdle one or the Carlson one, where I think I literally in response to it, just threw my hands up into the air in the response. It may have been this all may have con- converged around the Carlson one. But yeah, no, I, I do remember looking for it on the radio and. Yeah, not See, a, there, was, now, there was no discussion. Now, now, how, what would you equate that to in, say, baseball or basketball, where it's like you know some team getting hurt? I'm sorry. I mean, when Steph, Steph Curry gets hurt, and immediately that everybody is talking about. Yeah, but I, I almost feel like like if Aaron Judge was like traded to like the Marlins, they they would be like they would do an hour on that. And it's like, oh, yeah. that's on the other coast. It has nothing to do, but that's what they would talk about if it was something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, or, unfortunately. I mean, but I mean, that's just, that's, here's the, like, it, if hockey stuff happens on the East Coast, I feel like in Boston and Philadelphia, they're talking about it. Yeah. And it's partly due to the fact that people didn't, you know, the Sharks haven't been here that long. I mean, they've been a big part of our lives, but like, there are people who, were well into their 40s and 50s when the Sharks started up. And they may have developed into fans, but it's not as... For the people who have been engrossed in sports talk their entire life, they're not as concerned with the Sharks, per se. Like, they like the Sharks, and they're fans of the Sharks, but their lives have been more centered around the 49ers or the Giants or whoever it's going to be. But I think in the next... 5, 10, 15 years, you're getting more and more people who grew up with the Sharks as the norm. And I talk about this with the earthquakes as well and talk about soccer's growth in America. It's like if you get people over 40, they're probably not really that into soccer because it wasn't, you know, the EPL wasn't on TV and stuff like that. And now you get kids who grew up with a league like Major League Soccer is the norm and EPL being on TV all the time and Major League Soccer being on TV all the time, it becomes more the norm for the sporting culture. So in the Bay Area, it's become more and more of the norm for the sporting culture to be centric to the Sharks. So I think that as people are getting older and they're having more generations of fans, you'll get more and more people that are paying attention to the Sharks. But I think that when you talk about the sports talk in the Bay Area right now, it's for a lot of people who grew up with the 49ers and the Giants and the Warriors as the kings of teams, and that's who their lives were centered around. Um, and maybe their kids and their kids' kids are going to have more of a affinity for the Sharks because they grew up with it as the norm as opposed to the people who were, you know, full-fledged adults when the Sharks got rolling. Because if you're a Flyers fan, that's your reality. If you're a Rangers fan, that's your reality. If you're yeah. a Bruins fan, that's your reality. You know, it has, it has Sharks, you know, they haven't been here that long. It's It's been a while now, obviously, but there are people who grew up to where it wasn't they, I, I'm sure there's still people in the Bay Area who think of the Sharks as a quote-unquote new team, no. even though they've been around for a long time, just because their culture was set on following the Giants and the Warriors, per se. I don't know. I'm, I'm rolling on that point, but, but you <laughs> see what I'm talking about, right? No, I do, I do. And you know what I think also helps hockey in that regard is HD. You know, the, the, how many times do we hear it's like, uh, you know, it, it might be okay, but I can never see the puck or whatever before HD. And I remember being I, a fan. I never really... uh, well, I just, I remember being a fan, I don't know, in 05, 06, somewhere in that time. And the shark schedule would come out 
and you would literally like lose your shit because 15 games are going to be in high def that year. Not the whole set. There were just 15 games. You're like, oh my God. And then like the next year, there were like 40 games. You're like, oh my fucking God, this is going to be great. You know? And, and then once it finally got all high def, you're like, how, why did this take this long? But you know, now you can see everything great. Oh, you can see it's, it's incredible too. Um, and I never felt like I had that hard of a time following the puck, but I, I suppose that if you're coming into it later and you don't grow up with it, you yeah. maybe have a little bit more of difficulty because you don't, I don't know. I mean, like there's people, it's like, you always tell people, it's like, don't just watch the puck, watch the way that people are moving and you know where the puck is. I mean, that's kind of the, the difference between somebody who's getting into hockey and somebody who's been, been with hockey. But um, yeah, I mean, now, I mean, it's, what's incredible to me is like when you watch now versus when you watch 15 years ago, like you can, it's not just that you see the ice it's like, you see the shavings, you see the oh, lines. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's so you can see everything, but I, now where were you on the, on the glowing puck? Cause that, when that technology was out, I was like, cool, why not? I mean, I know that it's one of the most polarizing issues in hockey talk ever, but I, I thought it was cool. I've always been for the innovation. I'm like, Hey, you want to give me something paid? It's, <laughs> It was distracting, I will admit, but like that was literally the antithesis of the of what people were saying. They couldn't see the puck, and now you couldn't not see the puck. It wasn't always <laughs> synced up perfectly, but it was well, it was an attempt. I, it was an A for effort. Yeah, and you know, I'd be interested to see if they like tried that technology again, like, even in like ex. Well, not really, but it, I mean. Well, we'll get to that in a second. Um, if you know the glow puck, it's just the fact that the halo seemed to be overly large. Like I think it'd been about yeah. half the size. It might not have been so distracting. The other thing that also like threw me off with the halo puck is that sometimes it would make this make it seem like the puck was actually off the ice when it was just going up the ice. So that yeah. sometimes it, you, you would be thrown off by that. I didn't like the glow puck per se. The thing that I did like is that when the puck would reach like 35 miles an hour or higher that they put the little tail on it. That part yeah. I did like. That I liked. <laughs> no, that was cool. And that was, I, again, like I credit, was it Fox who yes. started that? Tech? That seems like a Fox thing. Yeah, remember the like, Fox bots in the commercial or the the, yes. com the bumpers in between games and stuff? Yeah, those bots. Dude, like, I mean, but that's like that that stuff, like you, you take snippets of that technology and it leads us to where we are today. I mean, have you, have you listened to the uh, the Thirty for Thirty podcast on the way that the Madden um, and Madden game influenced TV broadcast for the NFL? Like, it's little stuff like that. Like the technology, it, it doesn't all happen at once. It takes a yeah. while to kind of grow into something. That's why now you watch you, know, you watch <laughs> hockey on TV. It's incredible. Well, now <laughs> it's funny you bring up that Thirty for Thirty. I'll have to look that up. It's so bizarre that you bring that up. There's, uh, I don't know if it's. Cron, I want to say it's Cron. Maybe it's the local NBC affiliate. They do a, a weekly show, I think, called Bay Area Revelations. Mm -hmm. And they just did an episode a week or so ago where it talked about like how the gaming industry started, you know, and they're talking about Atari in, in the South Bay and then moving from Atari. Uh, and they get to that the guy who started EA Sports was actually came from apple and he decided to you know he wanted to go into gaming so he started ea sports and that their big feather in the cap was getting the madden name and uh, they did 
you know, it's an hour long thing. And it seemed like 30 minutes of it was how involved Madden was from when they first, when it's just little oh, yeah. stupid little pixels and a little, a little X is supposed to be the ball. And then you see it, you know, 25 years later or whatever. And it looks near lifelike where another five, six years from now, you might not even be able to tell the difference. Dude, did you watch the the video NASCAR, the video games of the NASCAR they were doing? No, I um, like it was it was remarkable how accurate it looked to the sport. You know, they because they had the Fox crew and like Mike Joy broadcasting the guys virtual e racing, and like you would watch it and you would forget forget you were watching a video game. It was <laughs> it gets so here's what you I will find you the link for the thirty for thirty podcast yeah. if you can find me the uh, the link for for that one from Cron or KNTV because. Yeah. I want to see that now. Well, Eric Eric is saying that it is KNTV. So, but yeah, okay. it's like, I think it's like every Sunday evening or whatever they do this whole Bay Area Revelations thing. And you know, I know they've done a thing like uh, you know on Apple Computer or other HP, other companies that have started here. And not everything is tech, you know, technologically centered. Like they've done a thing about. Uh, the you know the redwoods up in northern california they've done the napa and how the whole wine scene there so it, it, it's they done just, craft beer oh boy i'm gonna have to look that one up because i would like to know about that i'm just saying <laughs> and in fact uh, yeah. what what go ahead uh t- tell me your your uh okay your top five local craft brews while you do that i'm gonna bounce out for about five seconds to grab something sure so top five local. Ugh, I mean, what are we going local? Because I got my boys um, at Golden State Brewing, and they've got to look for a new location. Um, I love Drake's. Uh, Drake's they're solid. incredible. Um, Faction. Uh, do we consider Sierra Nevada local? Or are they are they local enough? Or is that is Chico considered? I mean, I, mean, I think I guess I, I would say Northern California should be in there. Yeah, um, I mean, and then um, I'm blanking on uh, the name. They make uh, Scrimshaw and Old Rasputin, uh, oh. North Coast. North Coast. I, I think you're right. I think that is North Coast. Um, and then I would probably go. Um, I'm waiting for you to say my two favorite words. I, do you want me to say Rare Barrel? Who do you? Um, no, I want you to say. Russian River. Oh, Russian River. Yes, you've got a can of Pliny. I haven't seen the the, the cans around. Yeah, Rush. I felt Ugh. like that would be a um, a Pliny. cliche answer because yes, they are, they do make excellent beer. But um, the other one I was going to go with was uh, Bear Republic. I love Berry Racer Five. To me, is one of those um, just kind of benchmark IPAs that I kind of like. It, for me, the ones that when I'm judging an IPA, I'm like, how is this compared to a Torpedo? How does this compare to a Racer 5? Those are usually two of my benchmarks. If I'm talking about a double IPA, then yeah, then I'm going to start talking about um, Pliny and then um, Green Flash's West Coast double IPA. That's another double IPA that I think is kind of the standard bearers for uh, for the beverage. And uh, this is a uh, this is Pizza Ports uh, from Coronado, San Diego area. I used to oh. live with the guys that were the brewers for Pizza Ports uh, when I lived in San Diego. And I when there's like a certain smell and like a certain taste of a beer that when I have it nowadays, it just takes me right back to 2003 and living in San Diego. And it, it's hilarious. So whenever I see pizza port beers, I, I buy them. Well, see, <laughs> and I used to, until they like were recently bought out by 
I don't know, some company in the Midwest. I used to be a big uh, ballast point guy. But yeah. I've, I've kind of kind of fallen off the wayside. I'd still like that grapefruit sculpting from time to time, but uh, yeah. no, I'm just, uh, I am such a whore for Russian River stuff right now. Yeah, it's right. like, yeah, anytime I go to Total Wine, I was just like, okay, where is it? Where is it? And then it's, <laughs> you know, it's so funny. A buddy of mine, he, he, I'm a piker compared to him. He is just like all about craft beer. And I don't know if you remember, but in the mid, I want to say it was like mid to late nineties, there was this, uh, push and God, you want to talk about a thing that was way ahead of their time. There was this, uh, place some, somewhere in San Jose where you could go there and basically, uh, (laughs) it's so weird. They're kind of like. Uh, they, we've got a recipe for IPA. We got a recipe for this, and they have like different recipes. But then you could kind of like add to it and make your own thing. That's and, interesting. And then you'd even like get on a computer. You would design your own label, but you would come up with the recipe. You would do the label. You'd pay the money, and then I don't know, three weeks later or six weeks, whatever it was, you would then come back and pick up like I don't know four cases of your own beer and it's in like those nice big bottles and i'll tell you my buddy made one of the best beers i've ever fucking had in my life it was so goddamn good i because the the guys with beer beer and more beer um i wonder if they know about that i'll have to ask them because i my buddy jp i don't remember he was the beer expert from brewing network that i used to have on my show i think so yeah um he worked with the beer, beer, more beer guys. And that sounds like something in that time frame that they would have been affiliated with. So I'm going to, I'm going to investigate now and find out about this. Cause that, that is a cool, a very oh, cool idea. Dude. I think it was so ahead of its time because <laughs> it was, you know, you just had that, that weird, you know, now granted I've, you know, I've been involved with DJing in nightclubs for 30 years. So like I've seen how, you know, things have kind of what the hot drinks were, and, you know, I would, I, I was from the days when like Zima was like the big drink. Right? So, has anything ever been bigger than the Moscow Mule? Oh, yeah. Oh, no. To, to me, to, like, again, that's another one of those ones where it's like it got hot for a flash. And then it's to me, it's already died out. Um, I mean, that was so huge though. Like, I feel like every people walk around those little copper mugs. It was a big, it was it, big. It was a big deal. But then, you know, everybody, Again, going from I remember like Zima had their day in the sun. Goldschlager had its day in the sun. Yeah. Uh, Jaeger and Honey Jaeger had its day. Those are the big ones. Um, you know, every all the girls uh, at the end of the night. bombs, Jaeger bombs, those. Jager bomb. But all the girls at the or all the girls in the end of the nineties were all like. Oh, yes, I want my little Cosmopolitan because I've watched Sex in the City and it's so cute. So you had those. Any Girl Cosmos, they made a fortune off of that stuff. Oh, please. Uh, (laughs) And then you had, uh, you know, right around the turn of the century, they brought in all the flavored vodkas. Those went nuts. And uh, and then you had basically kind of like the Zima ripoffs where there was like Smirnoff Ice. There was, uh, you know, some other, I forget. What are the three big vodka companies? It's like Smirnoff and there's a couple other ones. Yeah. Well, there was also hard Mike's hard lemonade was that, made by one of those vodka companies. Yeah. And so now, and then today, you know, we're, we're from that time of Smirnoff ice. I forget what the other one was. And then you fast forward, you know, 10, 15 years and all of a sudden white claw. And it's like, what's the fucking difference? You know, I haven't really, had a white claw yet. I've not had uh, any of the seltzers. So overrated. I just, um, <laughs> 
what somebody told me, they said they're very dangerous because they, they're so light. You don't recognize that what you're drinking actually has alcohol. It's the same thing and with Smirnoff ice. She, see, I, Smirnoff ice had such a strong flavor. Like I remember that came really? Smirnoff ice was popular right around the time I was turning of legal drinking age. Oh, well, so that'll, I remember, that'll do it. I, I remember it just had such a, I didn't say that I hadn't had beer before that point. By the way, I remember it <laughs> had such a strong Smirnoff ice to me tasted uh, like somebody took schnapps and slightly watered it down and carbonated it because that had such a strong flavor. I just remember I did not like it. Oh, see, to me, when I had Smirnoff ice, I was like, so somebody put alcohol in a 7 Up? Like, that's what it tasted. Oh, no, I didn't think it tasted all like 7 Up. I thought it tasted syrupy and. <laughs> Not not my thing. Although I do appreciate icing. I saw somebody get iced in San Francisco last year, and I just laughed. I was like, oh, that's still happening. Good. <laughs> I'm, ha- I'm happy that people are still getting iced. Right? <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's one of those, like, because even though it might not be my first choice of beverage, if somebody showed up and was just like, all right, you know, you open it and it's nice, and they do the thing, you're like, well, I, I guess I got a pound. Like, there's a social thing where it's like, He's not drinking in the middle of his work day. It's okay. He got ice. That's different. Yeah. No, it's 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 just funny that, you know, when I when I was first starting to DJ, everything was bottle. It was just bottle, bottle, bottle. You know? And then I think it was basically towards the end of the nineties you started seeing a few things here and there on tap. But I don't know, like it seems like mid two thousands or so, that's when it all exploded. Uh for for a hot time like Guinness, everybody wanted to have a Guinness. You know, do you, re- do you remember before the IPA craze, people were big on um, the wheat beers? Oh, and Hefeweizens. The Hefeweizens. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was thing. never into the. It was a bit too uh, a bit too heavy and a bit too sweet for me. Again, it was fine in its place, but it was never like what I wanted. But when the IPA craze hit, that was definitely like, oh, oh well. Yeah. Yeah, this 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 speaks to my soul. Now, yeah, now we're talking. Yeah, the Hefe. <laughs> it did seem like the Hefeweizen, and this is no disparaging comment. Like, if if that's your jam, rock on with it. Yeah, but I did notice that it seemed like Hefeweizens uh, tended to target uh, the female demographic. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Because it's like uh, they saw a piece of fruit in there and said, "Oh, it must be healthy." <laughs> it was, but it's it's it was smart because it wasn't heavy. It was like and. Like I get it, why people didn't just want to drink like what, Bud Bud Light. Like not, a, yeah. not if I'm in a the Coliseum parking lot before an A's game and somebody busts out <laughs> Bud Lights and we're gonna play you know cornhole whatever that's sure. paradise yeah, yeah whatever. But like I understand why you know women have more discerning palates and they're not idiots like us. So they're like I don't want to drink this watered down stuff. Like I want something that has flavor and like look like it's accented by fruit like. They're, they're more complex creatures than us, so they're probably looking at us drinking Bud Light and acting like a bunch of knuckle-draggers, and are like, thanks, I'm going to, instead of just drinking for the alcohol, I'm going to enjoy this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, uh, I feel like we've gone down a road that we need to come back from. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, we've been on for almost an hour, so uh, probably a good I'm- time to, Yeah. So <laughs> probably a good time to start uh, putting a bow on it. Um, so the one thing I wanted to ask you is like, w- so what are you up to? I mean, like no quakes and no sharks. And, and so 
kind of what you know like what are you doing and and like what's what is going on with earthquakes because i'm you know i'm so hyper focused on the sharks and everything else it's like oh i, I always forget we have a soccer team <laughs> yes uh the there's a mls's back tournament that's happening in orlando um it starts on july 8th so that's a, a, I'm going to be, I, I did this on the soccer show I do, and I'm going to, I'm going to do the bit again here. Um, so I'll pretend that I just didn't tell you this was a bit. Um, so can I be self-centric for a moment? Absolutely. That okay? That's what we're here for. Why do you think I have this podcast? July 8th <laughs> is my birthday and major league soccer comes back on my birthday. So it's like the greatest birthday present I've ever had. Nice. And that's the end of the bit. Uh, cause I really don't give a fuck about my birthday i'm like ah cool i'll go to bevmo or total wine and buy a really nice beer for myself and make some salmon and otherwise i'm just like okay what game is on but we're back on july 8th with soccer so that's good because when you're a sports broadcaster and there aren't sports you might see that those don't that they don't line up 100 perfectly um so yeah i that soccer will be back uh it's a every team in the league is playing it's group stages every team is going to play three games the top two finishers in each group plus the next best four uh, teams move on to a best of 16, and then it's just classic knockout form, 16-8-4-2 champion. The hope is that after that, not just for soccer but for the country, that the pandemic is at a relatively manageable state still. You can go back to your home markets and play your games and have an amended regular season finish. I don't know exactly how they're going to do that. I know that Dr. Anthony Fauci has been talking about wanting all sports to wrap up by the, you know, by the time we're at least talked about baseball, oh. but I think that goes to other sports in terms of wanting to get things wrapped up. So well, that'll be, I'll give you something to do. Yeah. I was going to say, do me a favor. Yeah. Tell me more about what you think is going on with baseball right now. Cause it seems like one day, hundred percent next day. Uh, we're not sure yeah. about that. And do me a favor. Talk about that. I will be right back. Cause I hear somebody at my door. <laughs> sure. So with baseball, my opinions are, if like I was asked this last week, if somebody had to ask, if somebody had to ask me to make a bet, would I bet on baseball being back? Or would I bet on it not being back? I said I would bet on it not being back because I feel that there's so much bad blood right now, and I feel like the what it's going to come down to is the medical. Even if they figure out what things are going to happen with the games and the prorated salaries, people are going to talk about the medical issues and whether or not players can sue major league baseball if they get sick while they're playing. At least that's been some of my beyond the literal grievance side of the, of the union aspect. There's been stuff pertaining to health. Um, so I think you're going to get bogged down in the nitty gritty of the health details, which I think will prevent there from being a season. I hope I'm wrong. I want sports to happen. I like talking about sports. I also know how many people's livelihoods are, are impacted by baseball. You think about the people that work at the stadiums, you think about the people who work um, in media, you think about the people who work at the surrounding businesses that are, you know, like the place on Hagenberger, Hagenberger, literally called that a burger joint. They get business after A's games and all the businesses around, what are they called? Oracle Park now where the Giants play. These are, they're all being impacted by this. And I what? feel really, really bad for everybody. It goes beyond the athletes. I mean, I know that when there have been work stoppages in the NHL, that a lot of those surrounding businesses around SAP Center get impacted. And, you know, I, it's, it, you have to, Take all these things into consideration. It's really unfortunate, but I hope baseball comes back. But I'm not betting on it right now, so well, I don't know. It's what's it the sucks, man. What's <laughs> the name of the, there's that uh, there's that cool, oh man, there's that cool bar that's 
across the street from Oracle. Oh, um, oh uh, big outdoor bar area in the front. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Like uh, Momos. Yeah, Momos. Okay, so yeah. yeah, stuff like that. It's like, yeah, you know that they're impacted. Yeah. Uh, you know, you even think about the guys, you know, when it comes to baseball. You know the guys that that walk around uh, selling well an Oracle when when it gets a little late into the games, but the guys that are selling you know the coffee, the popcorn, yeah. the you know the cotton candy, just the concession guys, that's that's tough. But you talk about the Sharks, man. Those businesses downtown San Pedro. I mean, just mm-hmm. just the ones that are on San Pedro. You think about the the money that that they rely on the sharks to bring in and you know it, it, it that you know they i'm quite sure when they're when they're putting their books together you know they're going okay they're looking at the dates oh, you know sure. <laughs> they're going okay we can count on this this and this yeah and that's that's just the thing is it just goes so far beyond the literal sport itself and i always try to you know take that into the equation because while we're all selfishly saying I want to be able to come home from work at night and turn a game on whatever the sport way may be. We're all in that together, but that's like, that's our little bit of like, Hey, like this is fun for me. But like the second you start to think beyond that and think about all the businesses and the people that are being impacted, then it's kind of that, Ooh, this is bad. Cause as we know, you know, there's what almost 40 million people are over 40 million unemployed right yeah. now. And yeah. the number's going up and it's the longer we're without sports. Those people are being impacted. So yeah, I mean, it sucks, man. I, I just, you yeah. know, I, no one wanted this to happen, obviously, but you know, even if baseball does come back, it's not going to have fans this year. Exactly. You know, you like think, so these, these, that place people uh, are all going to be impacted. Well, d- isn't public house, you know, that bar that's part of Oracle, isn't Next, that open yeah. like year round? I would assume it usually is. Yeah, so um, you got stuff like that. You got the shark store, you know, where yeah. that that was you know open six days a week, and the, the, everybody's been furloughed there. Uh, yeah. Eric asking, "Are you going to Orlando to broadcast the tourney?" No, we will be doing that on location, likely from Earthquake Stadium, because of the bubble. They are bringing as few people as possible, yeah. um, and I think that I would just be being added into the mix it's one, another person that could potentially um you know get infected or something like that so they're trying to run the risk as low as possible and it'll be hard because i've gone on every road trip um except when i've had other broadcast stuff going on um a couple of conflicts for some tv work i've gone on every road trip and i've gotten to know the guys really really well and i enjoy traveling with them and the coaches and the all the equipment and medical staff you know it's a big it's a big friendly thing and there's you know been sometimes where after games you know everybody Sends to the hotel lobby and everybody's hanging out and having a beer and it's it's a really good time. It's really nice bonding and you know friendship making and that's that, I'm not going to be able to be a part of it. But I also understand this Orlando tournament. It's it's not going to be quite like that. It's going to be very much like you're in your hotel room a lot or you're playing a game or you're you know maybe I I know I don't know the full how much freedom they'll have, but it won't be like the the road trips we've been on before. We're like when we were in New York last year, it was like, okay, we, you know, we get in and then it was the night before the game. And it was like, okay, me and some of the guys that are on the staff, not the players, obviously, but uh, PR staff and such was like, oh, there's a cool rooftop bar. We're just going to go walk and find it. Let's yeah. go do that. Like you can't do that right now. I mean, that's not what it's going to be like in Orlando, but my favorite thing about going on the road with the guys is, is beyond, beyond the friendships and the bonding and the stuff like that. It's just, I got, the first time when I when I took over as the Quakes uh, play-by-play man in 2014, I remember getting booed for the first time, 
And I just reveled in that feeling. And it was something like, oh, we're in enemy territory. <laughs> and so now like going on big, big road trips and going up against teams that, you know, there's existing bad blood. Like it's fun. Like I getting booed did something to my ego and I was like, oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah. That made me feel like I'm a part of something. So yeah, it was, it, it's cool. It's, it's really fun. And you know, you get to go and check out, this is my whole thing. It's like the, the country is obviously dealing with a lot of stuff right now that go far beyond uh, the talk of hockey, but I'm always staggered by everywhere I go. Everybody's really, really nice. Everybody's yeah. everywhere is pretty much the same. Everywhere I've gone, everybody is really, really nice. And that extends to Toronto and Montreal and Vancouver and Houston and Dallas and New York City and L.A. And uh, I feel like that's something that we forget. It's like, yeah, for the most part, we're all uh, we're all pretty decent people. But it's uh, it's not being reflected by a lot of our nation's values right now, unfortunately. Yeah. But I, I see a lot of the good. I see the <laughs> I see a lot of the good out there in the country. What we're saying is, until Florida learns how to vote, we're not visiting you. I'm just saying. No. Uh, <laughs> well, and see, Eric brings up a good point, too. He says, hands down, the garlic industry is hurting from no baseball season. I mean, Dude. you know, we're we're from California. It's a huge garlic festival every year. Not only that, you think about the concert industry mm-hmm. and, the you know, the people that work at the Shoreline or any of the other venues here that – that's their bread and butter every season. That's what they rely on to get that little extra income during the summer. Coachella's already been canceled. I'm sure Burning Man's going to be canceled. Burning Man was canceled. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, so a lot of those big festivals that we're so used to uh, seeing on their calendars are just up in smoke now. There were some big tours that were all scheduled. Those have gone out the window. Yep. I was supposed to go to a... Um, a concert in Tahoe in May, you know, and that was pushed out. So, yeah. Who were you going to see? Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm trying to remember who the opening act was because that's not who I was going for. Uh, <laughs> I think the opening act was Black Veil Brides. I don't know them. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, but the headliner <laughs> was, is a band called In This Moment. In This Moment. I feel uh, like I've heard that name. Was, you know what? They're very, um, let me see if I can try to describe this correctly. I remember it's kind of like if Lady Gaga was the front person from Marilyn Manson. <laughs> like this, this girl, I, I could see that she, she, the, the, the lead singer, Maria, she just, she knocks it out of the park. She's, you know, you know, just loses her shit. But the thing is, the entire band, when they put on a performance, they're just way theatrical. So it's a really entertaining show, but uh, they've got some great tracks. And they've even done a couple really cool covers that you might enjoy. They, they've uh, covered Call Me from Blondie. They've done In the Air Tonight from Phil Collins. Like that, and, you know, because typically I'm not a big fan if a band covers a song unless they really put their stamp on it. You know, too many times I've heard some band do a cover and it's like, well, shit, this sounds exactly like the original, you know, but it's like, (laughs) I was one of my favorite covers of all time is Marilyn Manson covering soft cells, tainted love. Because, oh, yeah, because sure. yeah, because you hear Tainted Love and that track is it's like 144 a minute. It's just a dun 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 dun, dun you know, it's just and then Marilyn Manson said, No, we're gonna do this shit at halftime, and it was like gun gun 
you know. So I'm like, when you when you make it your own, I can appreciate it. But yeah, no, that's I'll I'll check them out. I feel like I feel like I've heard their stuff before on Sirius XM, maybe Lithium or on Tur- um, Turbo or Octane. Turbo plays them and yeah. Oct- Octane. Okay, yeah, because that's as soon as you said that, I was like, I'm pretty sure I've heard at least some of their stuff because uh, it in one of the great. Um, unintentional forward thinking things in my life. I, for years I've been building a home gym in my garage. So when I'm not doing this stuff, I work out in my garage and I blast various stations from Sirius XM. And that's just kind of, that's, and so when, when gyms worldwide are shut down, I'm like, Hey, this worked out nicely. (laughs) You should start charging admission. (laughs) My wife said, I was like, no, but then Teresa, there would be people coming here. It's like they could be sick. She's like, yeah, you know, but money. I'm like, yeah, I understand. Yeah, you know, it's like you let them in, they use it for an hour, and then you come in with the mask and the gloves, and like, you d- yeah. hazmat everything down, and then you're like, okay, next. You know, <laughs> I mean, I don't have any of the amenities like air conditioning, though. So they, <laughs> might, they might not like the. Not everybody's like me when they're like, all right, I'm gonna go, you know, sweat until I feel like I don't hate myself anymore, so I can justify, you know, eating and eating and having a beer tonight. <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> you're right <laughs> so with that uh let's uh it probably feels like a good time to wrap things up so uh we appreciate everybody watching tonight thank you so much we kind of threw this up live last minute so that's so awesome but don't forget to follow us on social media youtube twitter instagram facebook reddit you know all the deals and remember you can catch us everywhere your favorite podcast platform will have us and always everything is available on the website tealtownusa.com so uh i think with that we will catch you next time look for a new video this sunday um i'm not going to tell you what it is but uh i think you'll enjoy it that's all i'm saying so uh with that good night everyone enjoy your weekend for me a three-day weekend Don't ask me why. It just happened. Good night, everybody.